It is 1.30 p.m. in New York, 7.30 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 12.30 a.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to In Transit with Sunday Bean. I'm an intercultural strategist, a transformation facilitator, and a solution-oriented coach. And I'm on a mission to help you adapt and succeed through any life transition. If you know my work, you know that I say that lives, our lives are always in transit and in so many ways. But there is one way that we all have in common, and that is aging. And this week's guest said so perfectly, um, we are aging from the moment we are born. It's not something annoying that olders do. So this is from Ashton Applewhite, and she is our guest today on In Transit. Welcome, Ashton. My pleasure, Sunday. Thanks for having me. So I'll say a little bit more about those who are unfamiliar with Ashton's work. Ashton Applewhite is the author of This Chair Rocks, A Manifesto Against Ageism, and she is the co-founder of Old School Anti-Ageism Clearinghouse. She's an internationally recognized expert on ageism. She speaks widely at venues that have included TED Talks, the United Nations, and she's also appeared in We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle, uh, has written for Harper's, The Guardian, The New York Times, and more, and is the voice of Yo, Is This Ageist? Ashen, needless to say, is a leading spokesperson for the emerging mo movement to raise awareness of ageism and to dismantle it. So, Ashton, um, I think it's obvious from our quick pre-chat that I've been really looking forward uh, to learning from you and hearing your perspectives today. But I want to make a little confession <laughs> when we start. I have this thing, you know, when I would listen to your work about ageism and the ways in which it limits us, I keep thinking about a wedding dance where I am 86 and like salt and pepper come on like something from the 90s right and my spirit will want to get out there and pull out you know the roger rabbit or all the 90s moves <laughs> but i am afraid that i am going to be this person who says no because of fear that people will think i'm out of my mind that i'm crazy or they'll think it's cute or make fun of me and i i realized this that that's because I'm afraid of ageism, right? So it's because you live in an ageist society. These these are fears we all have. I mean, I, I will say in the context of dancing, um, I happen to not be a good dancer, but to love it. And if you are having fun to the music, mm -hmm. the people see that. And I think they will respond to right. it, especially at a wedding. But the fears that you talk about are very real and very universally shared, you know, and there, there should be absolutely no shame. What, what you've done is the most important, you know, task already, which is, which is twofold to look at your own attitudes and think about how mm -hmm. you feel about age and aging, mm -hmm. because we have to do that mm -hmm. interior work, as I'm sure, you know, before we yep. can take any kind of change out into the world. But once we do that looking in ourselves, immediately we start to see it in the culture around us. It's liberating. Mm -hmm. You understand mm -hmm. that this is because of ageism, not because you are a bad dancer or a bad person right. or your friends are all jerks, right? These are, there right. are enormous social and economic forces 
sadly, that want us to be divided and afraid and out of sight mm -hmm. for a bunch of, you know, reasons that differ for each of us, prim primarily because uh, fear is commodified. It divides us mm -hmm. and it persuades mm -hmm. us to buy things we don't need and, right. you know, behaviors that aren't good for us. But I will say for adults, there is no such thing as age appropriate. And I hope you play plenty of salt and pepper at that party. <laughs> It's like, don't spoil my joy. The last thing I want to do, if I'm able to move, I don't want my joy to be spoiled. <laughs> you are joyful. People will mm -hmm. see that. And there are right. always going to be a few people, you know, snickering, but mm -hmm. they, they're not the majority. Most people won't care. And some people, right. I mean, I think about this because I do go to clubs where my partner and I are the oldest people by far. And I hate being conspicuous because of my age, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's too fun not to stay home. And I know that for the few people who were, you know, going, you know, what are those old people doing, doing there? I know there are many more people going, Hey, look at those older people. Maybe I can mm -hmm. do that when I'm mm -hmm. their age. And most people mm -hmm. just don't care. Right. That's true. But it does take so, courage. I want to acknowledge yeah. that too. Absolutely. And, and bucking convention. So this is just a playful way to start talking about it, but this is actually really serious. Um, you talk about how ageism casts a shadow over our entire lives. Can you say more about the scope of that? Sure. Yeah. It's, I have fresh fodder in that. Um, I got a text this morning from, let's see, she's my partner's ex-wife's um, daughter, but we have a family Zoom, which has been one of the bonuses of the pandemic, one of the few. Mm -hmm. And she's a terrific, very serious kid. She wants to be an educator. She's a high school junior. And she said, is what I experience, which is people telling me I'm cute or that I'm mm -hmm. too young to know about a thing or mm -hmm. being generally mm -hmm. condescending and dismissive when I am talking about something that I know about. And is mm -hmm. that ageism? And my mm -hmm. answer is yes, 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 it is. Ageism mm -hmm. is any judgment on the basis of age. Anytime mm -hmm. we make an assessment of what we think someone is capable of because of how old we think they are, sometimes it's called reverse ageism when it's directed against young people, but it's just ageism. We don't need that mm -hmm. extra label. And that is why it casts a shadow across our entire lives. Although we live in a youth-obsessed culture in the West mm -hmm. where youth is mm -hmm. commodified. So I will mm -hmm. say that older people bear the brunt of it. Yep, absolutely. And that was one of the findings um, I shared briefly about my wisdom fusion project. One of the findings that I discovered was how we do think, you know, wisdom is held by the eldest among us. And you have Sometimes. said- Yes, you. You. I think you say one of your podcasts that you've met a lot of old people that haven't learned anything, <laughs> right? I mean, a a stereotype can be benevolent and still mm -hmm. be a stereotype. Yep, absolutely. It's, you know, it's a it lumps people together in a group, and mm -hmm. I think that we we definitely acquire experience with age. And if we learn from that experience, as most of us do, it can turn mm -hmm. into wisdom. I think if you, if we could agree on what wisdom looks like and you right. drew a Venn diagram of all the people who are wise, there would be more older people in it than younger right. people right. because we've had, we've got more, you know, experiences under our belt. But to say that all older people are wise is no better than saying all older people are incompetent or 
you know, right. or conservative, because it's a generalization, it's a stereotype, especially in view of the fact that the longer we live, the more different from one another we mm -hmm. become. You're nerdy, so I'll put it the nerdy way. The yes. defining characteristic <laughs> of old age mm -hmm. is heterogeneity. So mm -hmm. all stereotypes mm -hmm. are wrong and misguided, yes. but especially mm -hmm. to lump all people over any age into a given yes. bucket. Yeah. And what I find fascinating is all of this media about Gen X and Gen Z. And there's like so much confidence in these articles about the what this generation is doing. It assumes there's hetero, uh, hetero, or homogeneity within the generation set, right? Which is not true. And then we think not we true. know something about the older group, which is the furthest away. I find that fascinating. I'm on a complete tear to mm -hmm. uh, get people to try literally to use the word generationless. I am a mm. different generation from my from my child and from my parent. That is a, a real mm -hmm. meaning of generation, but there is no scientific mm -hmm. consensus on what the term means. And there is no evidence whatsoever. How could anything be true of everyone in the world born in roughly the same time? But, but marketers love these labels. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Politicians love these labels. Demographers love these labels. And they are mm -hmm. convenient. They make us feel mm -hmm. like we belong to something. But they, we overuse them. And they are really problematic. Because the minute you hear Jen blank, we mm -hmm. all, we're all biased. We make yep. all sorts of associations with that, to, with that given you know, name of, of a group of people born around the same time. And that closes our mind. It, it fixes stereotypes in place and it makes it much easier to, um, to pit generations against each other. The workplace, it's so common, you know, those classic one of this now out of date, it's now going to be Gen, Gen Z, but those millennials, they're so, they're so disloyal. Mm -hmm. They change mm -hmm. jobs all the time. Guess what? I was born in 1952. When I was in my 20s and early 30s, I switched jobs all the time too. Mm -hmm. It's a function mm -hmm. of how old we are, not when we were born. So generational labels really do a lot to divide people on the basis of age. And most importantly, they cover up the much more important role that class in particular and also gender and ethnicity play in shaping our experience mm -hmm. we live in such an age segregated society so mm -hmm. few of us have friends and mix it up with people of all ages right. that it's really easy to think oh i i like or don't like i like that person because they're my age or we like mm -hmm. the same things because mm -hmm. they're my age and that mm -hmm. person as a jerk because they're older age is very seldom the actual reason for people to to get along or not get along. So why are we so fixed on it? Well, it's super convenient. You know, mm -hmm. it's really handy. It's mm -hmm. a, just a, and it's a habit. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. you know, one way to think about breaking it is instead of referring to, you know, the boomers, the millennials, the whatever, just say older people or younger mm -hmm. people. Yep. Yep. Because then you don't get into this, it is a problematic to, to label people, to lump people into uh, age groups anyway. Mm -hmm. And the more, the older, the, the older the group, the less accurate the label could can be because of in heterogeneity mm -hmm. increasing mm -hmm. with age, right? So mm -hmm. if you just say, if you refer to older people in the office or in the band mm -hmm. or in whatever, or, you know, that mm -hmm. gets you over the, it's accurate. It's much yep. more accurate 
than right. attaching a, a generational label, which is never scientifically accurate. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's a way to do that without having the the, the associations that we all have mm -hmm. to a generational mm -hmm. label click into place and mm -hmm. refer to an age group, say mm -hmm. age diverse, say yep. mixed age, lose the generation, try to wean yourself off the habit of using generations for everything. We do it because it's convenient and it's easy mm -hmm. and it's catchy, right. but those right. are not good reasons. And we learned it, right? We consumed it when we were younger and we take it in. I think one of the reasons why your work struck me so deeply is as an interculturalist, my training, you know, is around the layers of our identity, right? Around class, ethnicity, racial identity, nationality, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we just skimmed on the age thing. I did, my master's degree was what, 2004, 2006, but it, I just feel like, we just haven't, yeah, we're not there yet. And un I mean, it's so weird that we haven't, mm -hmm. but I take mm -hmm. heart because of all the people like you and your listeners who have become aware in recent decades of intersectionality, of the mm -hmm. way these different aspects of our identity, you know, inform each other and shape our access to privilege, to voice, to visibility, mm -hmm. all those things. And, you know, I when I say to people, you know, I asked, you know, what are the uh, characteristics for uh, inclusion, diversity and inclusion, and often age is missing. Mm -hmm. When I say, what about age? Nobody says that's a dumb idea. Nobody right. says, let right. me get back to you. They like, they smack their foreheads and go, mm -hmm. duh. So I think it is, it's one of the many reasons I'm optimistic about what I do is that I think, um, uh, hitching age to the intersectional sled is a much smaller ask than it was to to say women can mm -hmm. you know run a mm -hmm. Fortune 500 company as well as mm -hmm. a man 60 right. years ago. That was a bigger right. ask. Civil rights is still a bigger ask because mm -hmm. of you know anti-racist work because in the U.S. of the horrible way it is embedded in our history. Yep. But uh, you know that we all know that it's not right to discriminate against someone on the basis of anything about themselves that they cannot change. And we cannot change our age any more than we can yeah. change, you know, our, our ethnicity. Exactly. And that's the one thing that we have in common is, is our age. All age. Mm -hmm. That's so fascinating. And there's something there about, you know, from if I get to nerd out a little bit with the intercultural perspective, when we are in polarization and we are we are exaggerating differences or we're focused on differences, one of the ways to pull out of that is to focus on our shared humanity. And age is is a anchor for that shared humanity of, of something that we have. I agree. And I'm so happy mm -hmm. to hear you say that because in mm -hmm. my, you know, rainbow unicorn falling asleep at night dreams, mm -hmm. I think of aging and ageism as a way, as a big tent, if you will, to bring people mm -hmm. together to say, yep. we all experience this. Can we have that mm -hmm. be a starting point for a conversation mm -hmm. and bring in the other mm -hmm. pieces of your identity? I mean, ironically, identity politics was coined by progressive Black feminists, when, who the people who came up with the idea of intersectionality, because they didn't want to have to leave their queerness behind, or their blackness yeah, behind, right. or their femaleness behind. They wanted to be all of themselves. And the one thread through all of this is 
is the one, you know, the one universal human experience is growing older. The one form of prejudice we all experience is age and aging. I mean, for, for white men, it is often the first mm -hmm. form of prejudice that they mm -hmm. encounter. And it's like, hello, welcome to our mm -hmm. world. Uh, but you know, right. we can, we can take advantage of that, of that awareness mm -hmm. to build mm -hmm. an experience, um, you know, to, to build on the experience of uh, the awfulness mm -hmm. of experiencing yep. discrimination and seeing how wrong and unfair it is as a way mm -hmm. to see, to, 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 glimpse for people that have the courage mm -hmm. and the will to, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. as a window into other more marginalized groups experience. Mm -hmm. So that the defenses aren't high, so they can feel like, okay, this is like, this is where I can finally feel that embodied. And now I'm ready to be open to others experiences. I'm, I am also hopeful. Oh. I'm, I'm neither one of us are naive to the, the levity of this challenge, but it's not. It's a big ask. <laughs> it's right. Um, so one of the things that really shook me about your work is the power of our mindset around aging and how it actually impacts our quality and maybe even length of life. Can you say more? I don't think there's any maybe about it. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I, for ageism harms our health. Most mm -hmm. of the work in this arena has been done by Becca Levy of Yale, who just wrote a, released a fantastic book called Breaking the Age Code. And she did the groundbreaking study, gosh, must be almost at least 15 years ago, that shows that people with, she, she calls it more positive age beliefs. I mm -hmm. prefer to say, because I'm nerdy, fact rather than fear-based attitudes mm -hmm, because positive mm -hmm. aging makes it sounds like you sort of cherry pick the happy stuff. Mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. really important to acknowledge the scary stuff too. Yep. But people with the, with a more, um, you know, less negative, less ageist understanding of what aging actually involves live an average of seven and a half years longer. They walk faster, they heal quicker my favorite study of Levy shows that they are less likely to develop Alzheimer's, even if they have the gene that predisposes them to the disease. And I am in the middle right now of writing a blog post about how Levy has done most of the work, but a um, big poll, um, the National Poll on Healthy Aging, um, which was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association's Open Network. They surveyed 2,035 Americans aged 50 to 80, and they surveyed on what they call um, everyday ageism, which I don't love that phrase. We don't talk about mm -hmm. everyday racism or everyday mm -hmm. sexism, mm -hmm. but microaggressions, the daily right. crap mm -hmm. that each of mm -hmm. us is subjected mm -hmm. to in the form of greeting cards and anti-aging messages and all mm -hmm. this stuff percolating around us in, in daily ways. Um, they, they had to ask, um, they asked questions about your overall physical health, overall mental health, chronic conditions and depression, and the people who reported more experience with age of 93% of the people said, oh yeah, this happens all the time. Wow. And all of them, the, the higher, the, the higher the levels of ageist microaggressions they encountered, the worse they fared on each one of those measures of health. Ageism oh. harms our health. Wow. Because it's, it's more stress. 
it, it, we have to work much harder to buffer ourselves against mm. the effects of living in an ageist culture. And also because of, here's some nerdy language for you, stereotype embodiment theory. Mm. That's like Levy's name for the fact that if you think everything's going to go to hell just mm -hmm. because you get older, then mm -hmm. when something is harder or your foot hurts or whatever you think, oh, that's because I'm old. I shouldn't right. do that because I'm old, mm -hmm. older. Maybe mm -hmm. you shouldn't do it because it's not smart. Maybe you shouldn't right. do it because you're out of shape. Maybe you shouldn't do it because you're right. too smart to do that. But it's not because mm -hmm. of age. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in an ageist culture, or, we think yeah. that's the stereotype. We think, oh, that's, that's not what old people do. That's the stereotype between our heads. So we don't do it. And then right. it, these become self-fulfilling prophecies. Right. And we don't do it. So we also do not show other people that it is possible. Right. Every time I see yep. someone running at 75, I'm like, yep, it's possible. Right. So keep your it's running possible. regimen now. And it doesn't mean it will happen for me or it can happen for everybody, but I and know it, you're right. it's possible. it doesn't mean it's possible mm -hmm. for everybody. And I have to be a little bit of a... Um, uh, contrarian by pointing out that these people are remarkable. They're great. Mm -hmm. These amazing athletes, right. the, the skydivers, but they are right. outliers. Right. Really important to remember that if you don't want to pole dance or run mm -hmm. a marathon, you don't, you mean you don't have to. And right. even more important, those, that message is very ableist. It mm -hmm. holds up a, a, the idea that to age well is mm -hmm. to continue to move and look mm -hmm. like younger versions of ourselves. Right. And that's right. not possible. Yep. It sets us up to fail. And it is deeply classist too, because mm -hmm. that stuff costs money and oh, takes yeah. leisure. So mm -hmm. if you are a couch potato and you can afford to sit on the front porch and read romance novels, more power mm -hmm. to you. You know, yep. that is, there is no wrong way to age. And a lot of people don't have the, the health or the mobility, or mm -hmm. the resources to run marathons, and they really, you know, we should be careful not to judge them and not to hold everyone to this standard of exceptional physical achievement, which is also remarkable. And that's exactly what I love about your work is how you, at the same time, you're able to shed light on what is dangerous when we look at these positive ideas of aging, like even the idea of aging well right, can be can be dangerous. And this is where I, I love how your work intersects with class and with ableism and all of those other things. It, there's a level Thank of complexity you. there. Um, could you say more about um, happiness and aging? Because I think there are some notions. <laughs> it's a hot topic. It makes me think of my mother-in-law who is, who is since, uh, since died, but she used to say, because when I well, I mean, I was profoundly skeptical about all of this. I entered this mm -hmm. knowing nothing. I mean, if people watch my TED mm. talk, I have, you know, I start out with a, with a bunch of just facts about aging that I was totally bowled over by, one of which is the U-curve of happiness. Uh, and mm -hmm. Google it. And Ruth used to say, not possible. Itch, and I would say, well, I'm so glad you're arguing with the best substantiated data I can call on, which is that people are happiest at the beginnings and the ends of their mm -hmm. lives. And mm -hmm. I thought it must be, well, that must be fine if you're rich. It must be fine if you're married. It must be fine if you live in, you know, mm -hmm. Switzerland. It mm -hmm. obtains around the world. 
independent of marital status and of, and of health status. It wow. is a function of the way aging itself affects the healthy brain. And wow. it is also true that older people enjoy better mental health than the young or middle-aged. Mm. We have more equanimity. Well, we mm -hmm. are gen generally better at not sweating the small stuff. Stanford did a study of older people. I think it was, was very good timing. They started it coincidentally right at the beginning of the pandemic or something. Or uh, anyway, mm. they, they piggybacked on a study in progress that showed that older people during the pandemic, despite being severely isolated, and at far greater risk of death from COVID, uh, came through it better with more equanimity and more resilience than younger people. Not because all older people are like saints or whatever, but it's like having your heart broken. You know, it's awful. But if you've had your heart broken, you mm. know that eventually you heal. And having mm. simply having a longer view helps mm. resilience and equanimity and perspective. And those help us get through hard times. Wow, that's so powerful. When I heard that, I'm 45, so I say I'm halfway to 90. Um, and when I heard that, I'm like, I'm at the bottom of the trough, right? And I'm, <laughs> I'm actually qu quite happy, right? So it's like this idea of potential of it even getting better. That really excited me. Well, one reason perhaps that you are happy is that you have looked at your fears of aging. I mean, to me, it is amazing that that curve that, that persists in a mm -hmm. culture that barrages us with messages all day long of how it's all going to mm -hmm. suck and everything's mm -hmm. going to fall apart. Imagine mm -hmm. what that will curve will look like once we have raised awareness of ageism. So, but it, that's the, that's the thing the idea behind the fact-based attitude towards aging, the scary things are real, but there are only two unavoidable negative aspects of getting older. People you've known all your life are going to die and some part of your body is mm -hmm. going to fall apart. And those are awful things. They are terrible, you know, and no mm -hmm. one wants to lose mm -hmm. physical capacity, which is inevitable. Cognitive decline is not, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it's totally legit to be mm -hmm. apprehensive about those things, but they mm -hmm. affect each of us in a unique way. Some people adapt. You might, I mean, I'm not an athlete. I would, I, I hope mm -hmm. I can walk around till the end. I wouldn't suffer if I, if my tennis serve, which is non-existent, you know, deteriorated, it wouldn't be crushing <laughs> to me. It would be crushing to someone mm -hmm. who plays tennis. If you see what I mean, or someone who's mm -hmm. hugely dependent on maintaining, you know, on, on trying to look the way they did when they were younger. You know, that's a whole huge task mm -hmm. for women to decouple the idea that, mm -hmm. that age and beauty cannot coexist. So the tasks are different for each of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, since following your work, I've noticed how many areas in my life I've had ageist thoughts about others, about myself, Right. And it, it seems so pervasive well, for you. Right? And almost all of this stuff mm -hmm. is unconscious. So you embarked on the hardest work of all because it's icky to feel like, mm -hmm. oh, crap, you mm -hmm. know, I'm part of the problem. Mm -hmm. I'm biased, too. But as I said, the next step mm -hmm. of seeing it around you is really liberating mm -hmm. and really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's this is not the first time I've had to. Uh, break up bias in my own self, right? Having been born and raised in the Midwest, there were plenty of opportunities for me to uh, have to undo bias. Um, so 
we can do our own individual work about undoing some of our own ageism. What are some things that we can do on a system level that can make an impact? Well, I, you know, that first step is the only essential step. But just by doing that, it's the hardest part. It's the most unpleasant. But when mm-hmm. you do that work, mm-hmm. you change. You stop saying mm-hmm. ageist things. You might say, mm-hmm. you know, if a friend um, makes an ageist comment, you might gently call mm-hmm. them out on it. And a very useful all-purpose rejoinder to an ageist comment is simply, what do you mean by that? Are you retired? Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. just by, mm-hmm. you know, just just checking that impulse to rate the other people in the room by age, you carry that difference out, even if that is all you do. And the all is in quotes there, because that is the mm-hmm. biggest, hardest task of all. Right. Not everyone in the world yeah. can be an activist. Um, the world would be intolerable mm-hmm. if it were full of activists. But even if, <laughs> you know, you um, think about the way you use the words, you know, old and young. Do you use mm-hmm, old to mean, mm-hmm. you know, insert negative thing and young to mean sexy and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, attractive or with it? You can be those things mm-hmm. at any age and you can feel mm-hmm. so decouple the, mm-hmm. the attribute, mm-hmm. the, the activity from age, right? Is that mm-hmm. that's the work and carry it out in the world in any mm-hmm. way that makes sense to you. I started... Um, I had this uh, bright idea that I had, needless to say, no idea how much work it would be. But I guess, um, gosh, probably six or seven years ago, I thought, you know, this movement is new. Imagine if the women's movement had had a single repository for the best Mm. tools, the best books, Mm. the best workshops. So Mm -hmm. I created with two colleagues the Old School Anti-Ageism Clearinghouse. And the URL Mm -hmm. is oldschool.info. Everything in it is free except the books. So noodle around Mm -hmm. there and see there are language guides, there are animations, there's workshops, um, there's consciousness raising guides that we created Mm. because consciousness raising is the tool that catalyzed the women's movement because women came together and had conversations like this one and realized that, oh, you know, getting harassed, having my boss pat me on the butt, not having equal power Mm -hmm. in my marriage. That's not, it's not just me. These are widely shared Mm -hmm, problems, mm -hmm. zooming out to the social and economic context. Mm -hmm. And we can come together and Mm -hmm. do something about that. So our our consciousness raising guides are free, download them, start a group, just read the questions, get together with a couple of friends and talk about it. And it's called Who Me? Ageist, because that's where it starts, right? And we have Mm. um, Ageist Racist Who Me? which is about mm. the intersection of ageism and racism and ageist sexist who me. So, wow. you know, noodle around. There's tons of tools. Wow. There's tons of stuff about language, all sorts of stuff. Old school I'm so glad info. you did that. Okay. That's great. Because I, as I said, before we started the call, I went, my own process of looking at intergenerational learning um, started with the Wisdom Fusion Project. And then I looked to the research and I didn't find a lot. There was like a few books out there that had prevalence, but the others were, felt like they were just reifying stereotypes, right? Of of what groups are like. So I'm so grateful that you've done the hard well, work. A lot of times, you know, in this, I, this, I describe this in the introduction to my book, which you can download for free on Amazon without mm-hmm. paying for the book. Mm-hmm. 
is that I think a lot of people do what I did, which is at first we're terrified of aging, icky, mm-hmm. scary, awful, don't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. We educate mm-hmm. ourselves and go, oh, it's actually not so terrible as I thought. If and I can do all these things, you sort of the pendulum swings to the positive mm-hmm. aging side of things. If I do mm-hmm. these things, those, you know, these activities, those scary things won't happen to me. And it needs to swing back to the middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of there's and also if if you were at the end where, you know, where, where the pendulum swings to sort of this successful aging, positive aging thing, people make money off gym memberships mm-hmm. and supplements mm-hmm. and hormone treatments mm-hmm. and plastic mm-hmm. surgery. And no one makes money off satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So there are enormous economic forces wanting you to be terrified of aging, mm-hmm. wanting younger people to think that my 69 year old face and body are disgusting. You know, that's mm-hmm. where the money mm-hmm. is. Fear is yep. profitable. Fear pits us mm-hmm. against each other. And only when we see those things, which takes a lot of work, can you move to the, the middle to see both sides of the story. But that's that, that's what feels real. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was at the hap, hap, happy end, mm-hmm. I knew sort of queasily that I wasn't addressing the whole picture. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> life is like that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, for me, with midlife that I've learned, like I felt this is kind of where my, my project started was, you know, reaching 40, mid 40. I kind of felt like when I was 20, oh, the 40 year olds were lying to us. Like, (laughs) why didn't anybody (laughs) say anything, you know? And I think it's that pendulum, right? Where I was only looking at one side and I wasn't yet in the middle. It's either this or that. I had to come to the middle and go, there are things that are amazing and there are things that are hard and both are true at the same time. Exactly, yeah. And that's why it's so So, important for people of all ages to come together and talk about this stuff. mm -hmm. I mean, I I just think, and I will say, I do see it somewhat through a gendered lens because women, aging is harder for women because of the intersection of sexism and mm -hmm. ageism. You know, we're punished for appearing to visibly Mm -hmm. age. And if more older women had younger friends, we would be more generous and mm-hmm. more kind, I think, mm-hmm. because and we would remember how hard it is to be young, right? It gets mm-hmm. easier, believe it or not, even mm-hmm. in an ageist and sexist culture. And if more younger women were friends with older women mm-hmm. who really like being the age we are and see how yeah. liberating and confidence mm-hmm. inspiring and freeing it is, they wouldn't spend, mm-hmm. they would be less afraid, right? So, yeah, and it's much completely. harder to hold on to stereotypes, obviously, when you mix it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that just makes my heart like burst with joy when I think of that potential um, for community. And that model, that intergenerational community is not a new one. It's a very old one that we've lost, obviously. Um, and I think Yeah, I mean, in, in the olden days, we all lived in villages, you know, with mm-hmm. all people mixed, not necessarily the world is now more ethnically mixed because of globalization. Mm-hmm. We're in con- we're we're in contact with more people who are not um, of our race or ethnicity, but it's way more age segregated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and in the in the the research that I've read recently about aging, that has also had a negative impact on cultures and countries that traditionally have given honor to older um, members of their society. That it's actually that modernization has created more separation and harder outcomes for those who um, are older. And 
at capitalism, you know, global mm-hmm. capitalism, because in a capitalist culture, our value is linked to our conventional economic productivity. And that is not a great measure of, of the of, of the worth and value and contribution of a person. And it's especially, um, you know, punitive to children who don't vote mm-hmm. and don't make mm-hmm. money, to older people, right. to people with disabilities, yep. you know, to, to all the people who, who have higher barriers to participation in the global economy right. on favorable terms, on equitable terms. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've talked so much about the topic. Um, and I think for those who are listening, they absolutely have to check out the book where you can get even deeper with this. Um, but it makes me just curious about you. It's Do you mind if we shift our Elements attention? fun to read. It is fun to read. I uh, seriously, I I read your book. I have an audiobook of yours. And so I was running in my um in my area and laughing out loud. Imagine what that looked like. When I'm like running and laughing, they might have thought, let's let's is what is she running from? I figure people yeah. have manifesto against ageism, which is of course what I want them to hear, but then they go, Oh my god, that's gonna be a lot of fiber. There's a lot of fiber, mm-hmm. but it's not a heavy going, I promise. No, it's it's so good. And for any level, not just age, but all the intersections that we've been talking about, it's enlightening. Um, but you. I'm curious about you. Like, why are you doing this? How did you get started with all of this? <laughs> um, you know, there's just no no meat cute story, I'm afraid. Um, I was in my mid 50s. And I realized that I was really like this getting old thing. It was going to happen. It was happening Mm -hmm. to me, right? It wasn't, I wasn't like going to get like the only pass in the history of humanity. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's where ageism takes root. I mean, it's just nutty that we go through life pretending that this thing that's happening to us every day Mm -hmm. isn't going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. And so being nerdy, I started Mm -hmm. digging into the subjects like you, you know, as Mm. you did and just doing Mm -hmm. it. I I was self-employed, so I didn't get kicked out of a job or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just started looking into longevity and learning within a matter of months, the facts that I started that Ted talk out with, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 years later that were just floating. I mean, I did not cherry pick my data. I did mm. not, you know, pick the pick the few studies that weren't scary. These these facts are right are so readily available, and then I became obsessed with why mm. so few people know these things, you know. Mm. And the short answer is because if aging is is made into a, a, a you know pathologized these natural mm-hmm. transitions, then we can be persuaded to buy things to quote unquote cure aging, which is not mm-hmm. a disease. Aging yes. is living. And if it is problematized, then we can be persuaded to buy things to like stop it or yep. fix it, right? Yep. And um, it's not a problem or yep. a disease. It's just, it's this amazing journey that each of us embarks on the day we're born with lots of challenges. But also, mm-hmm. I, I, I think of myself as in the both sides of the story business. The challenges are real, but we never mm-hmm. talk about the other side of the story, which are the countless ways in which it enriches us and this age mm-hmm. bias yes. makes it so much harder to do that. And that is really soul sucking. And it also mm-hmm. divides us in ways that have disastrous larger political consequences. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love how you talked about, um, you know, what we learn and what we gain. Uh, you couldn't pay me to go back to high school or college. Like I, I don't, want to go there because of all of the hard they call that's why they call it hard-earned wisdom right like 
I, I don't even want to be who I was then because I've paid for this wisdom with my experience. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's so I earned, we know that mm-hmm. a book, a quote by the writer Anne Lamott. And it's an idea that I've heard from various people, which is that we contain all the ages we have ever been, which when mm-hmm. you hear it is mm-hmm. so intuitively obvious. And yet we have this prevailing notion of age as loss. And it, we do yes. lose things, but we also gain mm-hmm. a tremendous amount. So let's tell the full story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that quote, especially because it helps me when I engage with someone who feels different from me age wise. It helps me connect there. Like where, where do, what do we have in common and where are we the same? I love that concept. Um, I think nice. that's beautiful. Very nice. Let's talk about you. And, you know, I talk about ambitious transformation and transition. I'm curious about you right now. Um, what are some transitions that you're feeling, whether it's a global transition that we have many to choose from, um, or maybe even a family transition or a personal transition? What are your most burning transitions right now? Well, I would, I mean, on the most surface level, you know, we're, we're coming out of a friend called it the main pandemic, which I find a useful phrase. So Mm -hmm. I am starting to, you know, go out in the world and, you know, do fun stuff with other people in the room, which is, which is nice and uh, a delicious Mm -hmm. privilege. I'm also starting to speak in public again. So it's like, oh, remember what this is like Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. having to rethink what I say and how I say it in view of this new world. I did a tremendous amount of thinking around ableism, which is discrimination and prejudice on the basis of physical or cognitive ability during the pandemic. Um, Because a lot of what we think of as ageism is actually apprehension about physical or mental changes. And that's not actually ageism, right? Plenty of young Mm -hmm. people are disabled. Plenty of older people are not. So disentangling this stuff. And Mm -hmm. so I would say the hardest work I'm doing is and this i also credit the pandemic for extra time to reflect not that i want to say the pandemic was anything but hideous horror um Mm -hmm. but it but it did make me think about stuff i emerged literally i was in new york at the time where if you looked at a map in like in in april 2020 where the giant red bullseye everywhere was new york city and all you could Mm -hmm. hear was ambulances but i emerged from that into the black lives matter um, mm-hmm. demonstrations in the streets, literally, I mean, with a mask on, on my bike, which sort of kept people away from me. Mm-hmm. And that was just amazingly powerful. So I have, have been trying hard to up my anti-racist game and to understand mm-hmm. more clearly about, um, how to be a better ally, which mainly means mm-hmm. shutting up and how to, listen to people from, it sounds cliched, but to listen to, you know, black people, brown people, disabled people mm-hmm. about how, how I, what, what matters to them and how down yeah. the line, how I can support what they're doing in the hopes mm-hmm. that they will eventually um, help me understand how I can make my work more relevant to them. I think there's this idea that if you are busy being anti-racist, you know, who has time for ageism? Mm-hmm, and I don't mean mm-hmm. to say for a minute, I am a privileged white 
cis straight mm -hmm. white woman who enjoys yep. enormous privilege and it's up to anyone to be concerned with whatever they're concerned about and obviously um, being in particular black in the u.s carries its own set of enormous risks and challenges which i can sure understand being you know being your highest priority but i think the overarching point is we don't have to choose when we we are being anti-ageist when we are being anti-racist, right? So if we can acknowledge that these two communities share experience that would be valuable mm -hmm. to each other, right? And join mm -hmm. forces mm -hmm. in the ways that make sense. Think of the, think of the you know, potential for alliances mm -hmm. and to make a movement that really does represent us all. So that's what I'm working on is trying to, you know, make more friendships and alliances with people who don't look like me and in mm -hmm. the process to work towards um, shaping a movement that is right now predominantly represented by privileged white women like me. What a coincidence. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. figure out how to help it represent um, more marginalized groups so that it is truly a movement that represents us all. It's That's hard. It's wonderful. Yeah, no kidding. It's hard. But what are your options? The more yeah. I learn, the more I understand, the more I revise things I used to say that I don't say anymore. Mm -hmm. So for curious people like you and me, I mean, mm -hmm. if you had told me 15 years ago, I'd be fascinated by aging. I would have said, ew, why do I want to think about mm -hmm. something sad and icky? And it's anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's so wonderful. No, I look, I look forward to hearing what the next phase is for you. Um, and it does give me hope on all fronts, right? On all of the levels of, of how it will impact our society. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, I know I'll put all the, your references in the show notes about your book. They've got to run out and get it. Um, is there anything special that you want to highlight that people should go out and check out if they want to know more about your work? Uh, thank you for the question. Um, honestly, you know, it, aging is universal, but it is also utterly unique. And the thing that matters the most to me, you know, the wonky nerdy stuff is probably not the stuff mm -hmm. that will engage, you know, most people. So that's mm -hmm. the purpose behind the old school clearinghouse is to just, mm -hmm. just noodle around. If you like, if you're a podcast listener, listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of, you know, mm -hmm. short zippy animations, or you may, mm -hmm. it's searchable by topic. Maybe you're interested in language. Maybe you're interested in education. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would say go go do some, gosh, browsing, I guess. I was saying window mm -hmm. shopping, but that's not the right metaphor. You know, um, noodle around and see what mm -hmm. fits your interests and your style of learning. Yeah. I love the bite-sized learning that you do on Instagram. You just have one little reframe or one little reframe about language, and it's like, oh, got it. I, I'm going to change that and you move on. That's really, I've okay. been enjoying that from. I mean, I am very active on social media. I, I don't post pictures of my puppies or my, I don't have puppies, <laughs> I admit, um, or my lunch. I do have lunch, but my point is I do really try to, to stick to ageism for the most part. I'm active on Twitter and I have a, um, a YouTube channel where I make these short videos. Like the longest is minute 45 where I take some question that comes into my Yo Is This Ageist blog, mm -hmm. which is also something to look at where people send in, you know, questions. So there's mm -hmm. lots of bite-sized ways to get your uh, feet wet. And, you know, something that is incredibly relevant or meaningful to you won't interest the guy next door, but he'll find something. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show. It means the world to me. 
I'm a huge fan of your work and I see the power and the potential of shifting people um, one step at a time. So appreciate your time today. Well, thank you for doing such an important part of the work yourself. Thank you so much. So thank you everyone else who's been listening. This is In Transit with Sunday Bean. I will leave you with one of my favorite quotes from our guest today, Ashton Applewhite. Aging isn't a problem or a disease. Aging is living. Ha <laughs> ha